0: Taylor Decker's on my all-22 fantasy team, by the way. Stop. Stop it. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Taylor. I don't care, and I'm in the league. I'm just trying to hype up the future of fantasy football yeah. here.
1: They told me we could hype it up. Nobody cares about your fantasy team. That's one of the card rules way. of broadcasting. Regardless of the medium, they don't care. So the strategic component to this game is through the roof.
0: Your predictions, right? You forecasting forecasting fantasy football into how good is this player. This is going to, it's going to change the industry.
2: Yeah. I moved to the old town where it goes down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. I hold it down. Made myself proud. Say, look at me now. Look at me now. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Hello and welcome to the All 22 podcast. My name is Chris Lombardi and I'm joined by Bobby Acker and Ray Cotto. And we are the co-founders of All 22. Uh, Ray, tell us about the topic of the day.
1: All right. Hey, everyone. So at All-22, we like to say that we provide a true reflection of the game more than any other platform out there, right? So to put this to the test, we conducted a fun little exercise using our scoring method of the PFF grades times the positional weights for NFL matchups over the course of the 2021 season to see how closely that resembled the actual outcomes of the NFL. So as we'll get into, the top performing teams using our All-22 criteria were also among the best teams in the league last year and went on to have successful seasons and vice versa for those who were the lowest scoring teams, according to our criteria. So we'll also look at a couple standout head-to-head performances, teams with the most overall high-end talent, and most importantly, how valuable those top players were. So let's jump right into it and go with the top scoring NFL teams in all 22, Chris. Yeah, this is,
0: this is something I'm really excited about. So, you know, we talk about how all 22, like Ray said, is the most accurate reflection of you know the the best teams in the NFL the best players in the NFL the true talent that's out there um so like how did how could we possibly prove that but like running this exercise makes me feel like we have so when we look at the top scoring all 22 teams it truly did reflect the top winning NFL team so uh at number five we had the Green Bay Packers they scored over a thousand points all of these teams scored over a thousand points on the season so five was the Green Bay Packers at number four, it was the Cincinnati Bengals. At number three, it was the Los Angeles Chargers. Two was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And number one was the Super Bowl-winning LA Rams. So I don't, I don't know if, how you could get more accurate than our number one team actually was the team that won the Super Bowl. But I thought that was really cool.
2: Um, anything to highlight on that, guys? It's, it's interesting too, as we like kind of dive into this, right? Like we've had users reach out to us and ask us, Hey, can we, there's been a couple of users who were like, Hey, can we open up the, the weights so that we can adjust them and customize them on our own? Our answer has always been no. And we're very reluctant to do that even in the future because real being realistic is the whole point of this platform. Right? So I think going through this exercise, you will start to see, okay yeah, this does reflect the real game. So kind of understand why we're not opening up, um, those, those abilities for users to do that.
0: Right. That's a good point. And, uh, looking at that list again, right? So we had both on that top five list, we had both the Super Bowl teams with the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Los Angeles Rams, number one, number four. Um, the only team that maybe sticks out is the chargers, right? Cause they, they weren't a playoff team. Um, when you listen to other sports analysts, everybody's really excited about the chargers this year. And it's kind of obvious why after running this exercise, um, not only did they have a lot of top talent last year, which shows in our equation, but they added guys um, Khalil Mack and JC Jackson to that defense. Like they're, they're only getting better, right? So finishing as the top three scoring all 22 team shows that maybe they underperformed um, and then Ray, do you want to talk about like a few of the reasons why that we saw when we looked at the data?
1: Yeah, and, and I think just even before we jump into that, right, I mean, they they missed the playoffs, but you can't get much closer to the playoffs than they did while missing the playoffs. They had that crazy overtime game <laughs> uh, to, to end the year that uh, I think everyone was rooting for a tie there um, against the, the Raiders. They lost five games by one score or less. Um, or, or in overtime, right? So, I mean, you really can't get any closer. I mean, they had they they had a young quarterback. I think the the offensive line, um, the pass blocking wise, was a little shaky early on in the season, and um, you know, some the run defense as well. I think those were the the two things that that kind of really held them back. But you saw the pieces really start to come together throughout the season, and then now heading into this year again, you see why everyone is is so excited about them. So. Uh, yeah four out of the top five teams made the playoffs and the the one that didn't really could not have gotten any closer to actually making the playoffs without doing so um, so a lot to be excited about for the chargers moving forward um, i think we'll see them up here you know on this list you know heading or after next year as well yeah for sure i think if you're worried
2: too right because like their first two picks were low-value positions, right, guard and safety. And the safety they picked was in not until the third round. But I think kind of like what Chris just touched on before, like they're already on this list. They're already pretty high on this list, right? They add high-value positions like Khalil Mack at edge and JC Jackson at corner, and then they load up on defensive interiors, which is also a high-value position. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty stoked if I'm a Chargers fan, right, you're looking at this and uh, thinking about next year.
1: Yeah. The only thing to be concerned about, really, is we always say, is that division. It's it's a bit of a murderer's row, right? So if you have a couple untimely injuries or or what have you, that could set you back. But other than that, they're they're well equipped to to make a run. Yeah, I think something that they might make them stand out in that
0: division is when we look at where they have their talent, right? And we, that is the reason they're on this list. So when we look at the data, right, it's they have a top quarterback, they have a top tackle now, potentially with. Slater. Um, They have top receivers with uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. They have a top corner now with JC Jackson. They they already had a top edge rusher with Joey Bosa, and they added another one potentially with Khalil Mack. So those are all of our most valuable positions, and that's where they have their best talent.
2: It's funny. You look at the Rams team from last year, a lot of blue green grades, and I feel like you very well could look at the Chargers at the end of this year and see the same thing.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, like, and all of us, like Justin Herbert, some of us, maybe Ray. Ray is a little skeptical, but I kind of have no doubts now, right? With the team they built around him, uh, it's really going to rest on his shoulders whether or not they take – because they did miss the playoffs, right? They lost five very close games last year. Sometimes that does fall on a quarterback of like, okay, it's on you now. Like, you need to control the clock like Tom Brady does, or you need to be able to – You know, get the ball down the field quick like Mahomes and Josh Allen. So this year, are we going to see Justin Herbert become that guy?
1: I wouldn't say I'm skeptical of Justin Herbert, not at all. I just think all great quarterbacks have that time period where the NFL adjusts to them a bit. They have a bit of a dip in their performance, and then they adjust to that and not reinvent themselves, but add to their game and continue that you know that path to greatness. I wouldn't be shocked if this year there's a little bit of a dip in Herbert's performance, again, just because of the adjustment that the NFL makes and so forth. So it's not that he's not going to be great, still one of the tops in the league, but that time might happen this year as well. That could be a factor in maybe why they don't go as far as they possibly can is just because maybe the league – can adjust to Herbert a little bit. I mean, we saw it with Mahomes last year, right? No one thought it was. Bad. Everyone thought Mahomes was Superman and invincible. And last year, he still had a great season, but it wasn't what we had seen in a couple of years prior. Um, so I, I think it happens to everyone, and the great ones adjust, and he'll definitely adjust and be at the top of these lists. But that is one factor as well when looking at the Chargers this coming year. Is hey, is it, might this be the year where? Uh, Herbert has to figure out a couple more things before taking his game to the next level. And what does that look like? We're doing
2: our buy, sell, hold series on social media. And uh, I think we'll do quarterbacks pretty soon. So if you see people vote for sell on Justin Herbert, that's probably right. (laughs) 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 One other thing on this list that I thought was
0: very interesting, right? So we are guilty of this. I've heard a million other people be guilty of this. We are hyping up the AFC and rightfully so they, they've a lot of those teams have added a lot of talent but when you looked at this list the three of the top five and the top two are nfc teams so when we're talking about the best teams in the nfl we can't do that without forgetting that the most powerful teams in the past the past year were nfc teams with the rams and the bucks when we look at who the last two super bowl winners were right it's the rams and the bucks um so Yes, the AFC is getting powerful. Yes, the AFC is getting deep, and it's definitely deeper than the NFC. But don't be surprised if, come Super Bowl time, the Rams, the Bucks, the Packers put up a hell of a fight against whoever ends up making it from the AFC.
1: Yeah, definitely more top-heavy in the NFC.
0: Yeah, and it also might mean that they're less beat up come playoff time, right? Like, they're, they're teams together. They have confidence. They, you know, like... Maybe they're not as battle tested, but that might not be a bad thing when, when you're talking about a, you know, you have to play 20 something games to get there.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. So, Bobby, you want to talk to us about the, the
2: bottom scoring teams? Yeah, painful list. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, start off with Houston, um, New Orleans coming in second, second lowest, uh, Chicago. My Giants and the New York Jets at number five. Oof.
0: Well, something interesting because if you're looking at that list and you're saying, "Where's Jacksonville and Detroit?" They were six and seven, so they, they, yeah. they didn't fall far behind these guys.
2: Which has to make you feel good if you're if you're those teams, right? Because like you're not like that bad, and you have the first two picks in the draft, and you address high high position value at those picks. Definitely Detroit. Kind of. Kind of good. Yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: Detroit, sure.
0: Yeah, definitely Detroit. I think Jacksonville. <laughs> it's tough because they spent so much money, and the talent they added was kind of subpar.
2: I mean, I'm talking. I'm just talking about Trevon Walker going one overall. Like I'm talking about like just sure. them addressing edge. Like like they did get. I think we did after the draft. We did like how much positional value was addressed throughout the draft, and Jacksonville was number one across the board. Right. Jacksonville and Detroit were yeah that's a good point
0: um yeah looking at this list though the one that stands out to me is New Orleans so like why is New Orleans on this list they there was a few things that we found when we looked at you know kind of like the year they had um and the biggest one unfortunately which happens to good teams is injuries right like they lost their starting quarterback for half the season they had inconsistent quarterback play after that uh their star wide receiver was out the entire year Michael Thomas uh, Taryn Armstead was out for eight games, and Ryan Ramchak, who has like literally, I think, missed one game in his entire career, missed seven games. So you're talking about, in all 22 value, 20% of your team was out for the majority of the year. So I don't know any other team that would have been able to win with those kind of handicaps.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because I think a lot of people wouldn't have the Saints. Same- pegged as a surprise team for 2022, given the year they had last year. And then they lose – and maybe they still won't be because I think Sean Payton is a big loss regardless. I think I I always say he's one of the few value-add head coaches in the league, in my opinion. Uh, So maybe that ultimately really holds them back. But when you look at the amount of injuries that that they had, getting those guys back, and, I mean, people forget how good Michael Thomas was, right, two years ago, he was, he was the best receiver in the league. So if, if he comes back to form, right, obviously, Terran Armstead's gone for, for good, but um, you know, they, they did add uh, some pieces there. I got a first round wide receiver. That's, that's a high value position as well. So, you know, when you look at this, it's possible the Saints are a bounce-back team for 2022. I think a lot is going to rest on the quarterback. And, again, we just have to see how the loss of Sean Payton really impacts them. But um, I just think it was interesting you see all those injuries and think, oh, yeah, maybe maybe the Saints are someone to to look out for this year. Yeah, with,
0: with 20% of that roster missing, to see what Sean Payton had done with that team was incredible. They They missed the playoffs by a game, I think. Um, so I, I kind of have a feeling that that's going to be a pretty big
2: piece of this. Have you guys seen the report of where he's
1: looking to go when he comes back inevitably? Sean Payton I'm talking about. I didn't see where he's looking to go, but I already know it's like uh, Jerry Jones is, is getting set to fire Mike McCarthy after the end of the year and just hire Sean Payton. That's who he's yeah. wanted all along. I believe it is so. Miami, Dallas, and the Chargers. Yeah.
2: the Chargers. Pretty interesting. Imagine if he was on the Chargers. <laughs> Miami Miami would have to fire their their head coach after one season Dallas would have to admit you know Mike McCarthy's not the guy after two seasons and then I just don't see that happening with the Chargers yeah. what's the so name people of the like- Dallas admitted that after two hours but that's fine what's the name of the Chargers what's coach
0: that? I'm blanking on it Staley yeah Staley yeah. people are pretty mixed about him I mean I, th- I think he does a really good job I don't think they should get rid of him and i could totally see him being like the zach taylor this year of like coach that people are kind of like talking down on i, I talked down on uh cincinnati's coach but uh i could see staley
2: doing really well i mean zach taylor had three losing seasons we just talked about we just talked about the Chargers getting close to the playoffs by you know not getting there because of a tie you Now zach taylor <laughs> got crushed his first three seasons so i mean yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't think I don't I don't see that happening with the Chargers. I think I think they have a good coach there. They have their guy for the future. Um, I'm sure Miami's hoping for the same. I think Dallas is probably the re- realistic option there.
1: If if there was a futures bet to make in Vegas, that's that's one I would throw a few dollars on. Is Sean Payton to Dallas in 2023? Yeah, the only way it doesn't happen is if if, if a Super Bowl, right? It's the only way. I think NFC Championship game. It's kind of like it's kind of like the end of the Garrett era, where they still made the playoffs a couple, you know, a couple of years there. But if they couldn't make the championship game, they just it got stale. And I think that's I think that's the standard now for for Dallas. And I think Jones has his eye on Sean Payton. So yeah, I think they have to make the NFC Championship game at the least, or there could be some movement there. Might be seeing some Sean Payton
2: sleepovers in Dallas. Like uh, like Michael McCarthy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Next week, we're going to talk about like future stuff or next episode, maybe not next week, but next episode, we're going to talk about future stuff. So I think we could get more into what these teams, these bottom five teams did to improve their stock kind of to Bobby's point, which teams added that the most value to their team, the most positional value to their team in the draft. Um, But I don't want to get into that today. So one really cool thing we did just kind of for fun is we looked at which game had this which team had the highest scoring game um and when we looked at that it turns out it was the las vegas raiders in week three against the miami dolphins uh you know we saw something that we've never seen before we've been playing this game for three years and i don't think we've ever seen a score this high the the raiders scored 84.6 all 22 points do you guys remember like what was the highest score we've seen in our three years
1: playing this game not close to that yeah yeah 77, I think, was was the highest we've seen, and that was in a playoff game. Wow. Even that's, like, really high, because I, I feel like
0: most weeks, yeah. right, you see maybe, like, the high score of, like, 70, 71, 72. Yeah, mm-hmm. crazy. So, yeah, we saw 84.6 points, and then I looked at the outcome of the game and was a little confused because the Raiders did win, but they won 31 to 28. So, like, yeah. what happened there? Turns out Miami – was the second-highest-scoring team that week with 80.8, which was also the second-highest score of the season. So literally the two highest-scoring all-22 games happened in the same game, um, and it turned out to be a 31-28 game, which is pretty pretty awesome, uh, something I definitely want to like turn, turn the film on and watch again.
1: Yeah, and you wouldn't think, ironically, right, like a game with Jacoby Brissett at, at quarterback would end up being – uh, a game where both teams score and objectively perform well, right? But both defenses um, played really well you know, for for the Dolphins. The defense played incredible. Uh, Zach Seiler, Emmanuel Agra, and uh, Andrew Van Ginkle, um, and Jalen Phillips, actually, so four pass rushers, uh, all performed very well. So great defensive performances there. On, on the Raiders' uh, side, you had Carr, uh, Ruggs, Renfro, and Brian Edwards all graded very highly, uh, Max Crosby, Yannick Ngakwe, and Solomon Thomas all played well as well. Um, Trayvon Mullen, Nate Hobbs—they they actually had eight players on defense grade above a seventy, um, which is is a very quality performance on an individual level. So to have eight players on just one side of the ball perform that highly is is definitely a, a top flight performance and not something you see every week.
0: Yeah, in context, there like an average score for a player is a sixty. So to have eight players grade 70 or higher is like a, a unicorn game. So we talked about the high scoring game. Now we're going to talk about the lowest scoring game. It actually was the Houston Texans. No big surprise there. Um, they scored a 45.3 in all 22. So that is like a devastatingly low score. Essentially no way a team can win. Um, they were playing the Colts. They lost 31-0. Uh Davis Mills threw no touchdowns. He threw two interceptions. So, you know, you can look at, like, traditional statistics and still find some things that will tell you a bit of the story. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're doing tons of research into kind of, like, head-to-head matchups and how our All-22 grading impacts the outcome of a game. And when we looked at just week one of last season, we found that the higher-scoring All-22 team won 12 out of the 16 times. So it's very accurate. The four games that uh, the higher scoring team lost, it was less than two points. There was never like a you know a team that had five points on the other team loses that game. So it is very very accurate, uh, which which I think is really cool. We should start gambling, guys. We we are not a gambling site. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so we're not there. Not touching that. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's go into... We got to put some edge in this podcast, guys. All
0: right? <laughs> L- listen, move on. I don't have enough money to pay for lawyers to talk
2: about that stuff. So I'm good. I'm, good. <laughs> I'm not saying that our listeners should gamble. I'm saying the three of us individually, you know, where it's legal in New York, we can gamble. Yeah.
0: Good save there. Legal in New York. But anyway, but anyway, go ahead. All right. So um, moving on from like the team standpoint of team grading you know, uh, earlier in the year, we had put out on social a couple lists, right? One of them was the top five players per position. And then the other list was kind of like our top 100, all 22 scorers. So two very different lists. Um, but we wanted to kind of compare the two, right? So um, when we looked at those, we wanted to say, which one's more important? Is it more important to have more player top players, regardless of position? Or, or is it more important to have just the top players in all 22, right? So does positional weight matter in this conversation in terms of teams getting wins and losses? So it turns out, I mean, as most of us would probably guess, it's, it's very important. So we want to first look at kind of like the top five groups and which team succeeded the most there. Ray, do you want to start that off?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, there were actually just three teams with four players in the top five of their positions, and that was the Dallas Cowboys, Las, Las Vegas Raiders, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So Dallas finished 12 and 5, Vegas was 10 and 7, and Tampa was 13 and 4. So if, if you look at that breakdown, right, for Dallas, they had Dalton Schultz, tight end, Anthony Brown, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, and Zach Martin at guard. Uh, the Raiders had Max Crosby, Trevon Morrig, uh, Colton Miller, and uh, Casey Hayward. And the Bucks had Shaq Barrett, Tristan Wirfs, Donovan Smith, and Tom Brady, of course. Uh, so their combined record was 35 and 16. So having uh, just a wealth of top players, as you might expect, does impact you positively uh, on the field and contributes a lot to those wins. Uh, and then after that, we had uh, 10 teams with at least three players in the top five of their positions, and seven of those 10 teams had winning records as well. So... Um, you definitely see the impact of just acquiring talent overall. Uh, But then as you dive a little bit further, you see where the value comes into play and how, depending on where those top players are, can either uh, take you further or limit you in the, in the playoffs and late in the year against other great teams as well. So Chris, I don't know if you want to touch on that a little bit too.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, I think let's first start with like Dallas, right? So Dallas, yes, they were twelve and five. Had a great, pre, you know, great regular season. They go to the playoffs. They didn't do much, right? And when we say they didn't do much, they still—it's a great achievement to make the playoffs. But having your top talent be your tight end, a guard, a running back, and then a corner isn't going to carry you deep in the playoffs, right? You need—you need that quarterback. You need an edge rusher. You need a receiver. You need a tackle. Like those are the things I think Dallas is missing. Um, is Dak that player? kind Of still TBD, I think he's close, I think he can be. Um, but I don't think we saw that last year. Similar things can be said about uh Vegas as well, right? So, yes, they had an edge rusher, yes, they had a tackle, but having a safety being one of those players, you know, that's not the most valuable position. Can Derek Carr be the guy? You know, I think he can, but again, like maybe we're not seeing enough still to get him into that conversation. Like we said about Justin Herbert, right? Is he going to have those marquee games where he's He's, you know, either controlling the ball perfectly to get his team to a win, or is he doing the things like getting the ball down the field quickly um, to win a game in the last minute when the team needs him to? Like, I still think Dak and Carr haven't shown us they can do that consistently yet and against, like, the best teams in the playoffs, something I'm still looking forward to. Then going to the other list, right, with the teams that had only three players, you know, a few teams I wanted to highlight, Indianapolis, uh, New Orleans, and the Chargers all finished 9-8. and And they all missed the playoffs, right? So they all missed the playoffs. Let's look at them individually. Indianapolis, their three players on that list were a running back and two linebackers. The Chargers, it was a center, a running back, and a quarterback. So yes, they had the quarterback, but center and halfback are two of, I think, our three or four lowest value positions. Um, And then New Orleans, they did have an edge rusher, but the other two were linebacker and safety. Um, none of them were on offense, right? They were missing Jameis. They were missing Michael Thomas, Ramcheck, uh, Taryn Armstead. So, like, it's no surprise, right? Yes, you had good players, so you were able to win games, but you didn't have good players at the right positions, so you didn't end up making it very far. The other teams, right, Kansas City, the Rams, uh, San Francisco, Tennessee, uh, they all had more high-value positions, uh, Kansas City, ironically, actually didn't because Mahomes didn't make our top five list. But I think it's fair to say that, like, when you have a guy like Mahomes that's that talented and, and in any game can do that to another team, you know, like putting up those games like he did against the Bills, um, you know, I think it's, it says a lot about him. Anything else you guys wanted to point out
2: on that list? No, I think it's interesting to see, though, like we talked about the... The teams that had, you know, top that four players in the top five of their position. Right. And you look at Tampa's list. Right. If you have four guys that make this list, you want this list to look exactly like Tampa's edge rusher, two tackles and a quarterback. Like it doesn't really get much better than that. So I think I think when you're I think the the takeaway for that is like when you're building your all 22 team probably want to go with the same kind of structure. If your if your best players are. Your tackles your edge rusher's your quarterback you're
0: gonna win a lot of games 100 mm-hmm, percent. i think uh chris godwin has made this list before but didn't obviously because he dealt with injuries and stuff um but he's somebody that could very well be on this list next year right so not only would they have the tackles the edge rusher the quarterback but they would also have a receiver which is the next most valuable position which is pretty cool um all right then the teams that we highlighted were the winning teams. There were three teams that didn't that didn't have a winning record that also had three players um, in in our top five list, and that was Atlanta, Cleveland, and Washington. So again, none of them had a quarterback. None of them had a receiver. Um, I think only Cleveland had an edge rusher, Miles Garrett. Uh, none of the other ones had an edge rusher. So looking at Atlanta first, right, they had a cornerback. They had a guard and they had a tight end. They had Kyle Pitts. They had um, – does anybody know who the guard was? I can't think of it off the top of my head. But the, the corner was um, H.A. Terrell, who was, I think, our top-rated quarter uh, corner. Um, the real thing that's really interesting about these three teams were the quarterbacks that led them, right? So while Kansas City was able to get to a winning record and get to the playoffs with not having the most valuable positions being their top players, they had Patrick Mahomes. Right. Atlanta has Matt Ryan, who was our 15th ranked quarterback last year, finished 15th in our quarterbacks last year. Cleveland had Baker Mayfield, who finished 22nd, and Washington had Taylor Heineke, who finished 23rd. So not having those top half quarterbacks will lead you to a losing record if you don't have valuable positions elsewhere.
2: The guard you were looking for is Chris Lindstrom, by the way. Chris Lindstrom. Perfect. All right. So
0: go ahead, Ray.
1: Yeah, no, quarterback matters <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, if, if it's not going to, if you don't have a top five quarterback, they still have to be probably in that top 10 to 12 range at the very least. Otherwise you're really handicapping yourself and just acquiring talent doesn't on its own make up for that deficiency. So I, I think that that proves a pretty, um, a pretty strong point there.
0: Right. So, that was the top five list. Now we're looking at the top 100, right? And I said that it's almost like eye-opening how different these lists are. So before in the top five list, we had Dallas, we had Oakland, we ha- or sorry, we had Vegas, and we had uh, Tampa Bay. Now looking at the teams with the top 100, with seven players in the top 100 were the Rams. With six, it was the Seahawks. Five was the Cincinnati Bengals. Five was the 49ers and five was the tampa bay buccaneers so again we have the two teams that played in the super bowl we have another team that played in the nfc championship game and then tampa bay also went deep in the playoffs there is an outlier here with seattle but we'll talk about that let's first talk about la Ray, tell me why why was la so successful where were those players
1: yeah so (laughs) you you look at at the rams there right you have uh, Aaron Donald on the defensive line, Andrew Whitworth at tackle, Cooper Cup. Uh, you had Leonard Floyd on the edge, Matthew Stafford, um, Rob Havenstein on the offensive line there at tackle as well, and Von Miller. I mean, that's that's two pass rushers, a quarterback, a wide receiver, two tackles, and the best defensive interior player in in the league and possibly in history. It, it, it's just a grand slam. <laughs> not not sure anything else needs to be said. Outside of that, but that's exactly again where you want your top players. And I mean, they they won the Super Bowl for a reason, so that's, that's probably why.
0: Right, those seven players, right, the top players on their team, those seven players would make up forty two percent of your all twenty two game grade, right? So like they're getting almost half of their success, half of a team's success that they would need from seven players, and they're all the best at their positions, right? Like they're all like top of their positions. It's incredible it's exactly like what bobby said before like if you were to start a team this is this is exactly what you would want to do so two on this list was the seahawks right they had six players in the top 100 list what the hell happened to them
1: <laughs> yeah so it's 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 funny right um Yes, people will point to the obvious and the and look at the Russell Wilson injury, which is obviously a huge factor, right? Um, so their their six top 100 players were were Al Woods, uh, DK Metcalf, Wayne Brown, Puna Ford, Russell Wilson, and Tyler Lockett, right? So two defensive interior players, a tackle, two receivers, and a quarterback. On the surface, I mean that that looks those are important positions, right? That's that's also where you want most of your best players to be. Um but when you look at the season, right. I mean, Russell Wilson played was actually the top quarterback through the first five games of the season before getting hurt, uh, injuring his finger. And then once he returned, he was below average in six out of the seven games he played after returning from injury. Um, he averaged 7.8 points per game on his own, um, in those first five games and then not even close thereafter. So, um, Just for some context there, Joe Burrow averaged 7.6 points per game and was the highest-grading quarterback or highest-scoring quarterback last season. So he was on a pace to be the top guy overall uh, at quarterback. Um, They also played in a tough division, right? You have the Rams, the 49ers, and uh, and the Cardinals who all made the playoffs. And uh, despite, yes, the position that they did have uh, those top players in was important, but pass blocking as a whole for them was a huge problem. They were uh, 25th in the league as a pass blocking offensive line. Um, and really the interior was just a mess from, from a pass blocking standpoint, Damian Lewis, uh, Gabe Jackson, they had a bit of a revolving door due to injury at center as well. Um, all had well below average pass rush uh, or pass blocking grades. Rather, uh, Dwayne Brown was, was still a, a pretty good player, right? He, he made this list, but you know, again, age is starting to catch up to him, too. And then Brandon Shell at right tackle, um, maybe average at best. So you kind of see the story there, how the offensive line just kind of, uh, you know, really set the team back. And then obviously the injury really just gave them a death blow that they couldn't recover from, especially being in such a tough division.
2: Seems like it's been the same story with them for years, right? I mean, sucks to see Russell be a completely different player in the second half of the season right after that, that injury. Um, really glad that I used, like, the second overall pick in all 15 of my ultimate two leagues to get Russell Wilson. <laughs> but it's super disappointing to see a talent like that, you know, um, wasted, for lack of a better word. But, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking
0: about you, Bobby, right when I saw this because we're talking about the Seahawks. They had valuable position, valuable players at valuable positions they had a lot of them. They were a really good team, but the quarterback got hurt and didn't end up being able to perform really well towards the end of the season. And because of that, they were in a playoff team. In 2020, you also had Russell Wilson, right? Dynasty, you've had him. In 2020, you made it to the championship game with Russell Wilson, right? He had like a 90-something PFF grade on the season. The next year, it hurt, right? Like you not having him for parts of the season hurt. I, I don't remember where you ended up last year, but you still did pretty well. But like, I don't think you made it that far.
2: What do, what do I say to you guys all the time? The easiest job in the world is to be Russell Wilson's general manager. It's the easiest job in the world. And how they could have screwed that up the past few, how they could have screwed it up the past few years is just beyond me. All you have to do is just give him some protection. He'll control, he'll control the rest of the game. That's it. And how they fail to do that almost his entire time in Seattle is just, it's beyond me.
0: So are you extremely high on him in Denver?
2: Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I don't think, I think you see a lot of quarterbacks, right? Like they'll get, they'll get hit a lot. And then you'll start to see their, their, their internal clock start to go. And I I don't think, I don't think you're going to see that with Russell Wilson. I think he's still going to be, you know, that same quarterback who's comfortable in the pocket, who doesn't take hits, um, you know, I, I don't think there's a quarterback I'm in, in the league who's better than that, uh, better than Russell Wilson at that. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I'm super high on Russell Wilson this year.
0: Yeah, one of the other – like, we have a friend in another league that was trying to trade for Russell Wilson. And he was he was conflicted. And he's like, you know, he's already 32, 33 years old. He's like, do I trade for a guy like that? But, like, he talks about playing till he's 40-something. And this season was the first season he missed games. So, like, I am full in. I would invest – Absolutely, I wouldn't even second guess
2: myself. Yeah, cause I think the way he plays, he could play until he's forty. You know, he can play from the pocket very well, as as well as any quarterback in the league. So, doesn't solely rely on his legs. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think he's, we see uh, a lot more. He's on my buy sure. list if he's there for you.
0: What's that? I think we see a lot more of that this year. Him staying in a pocket. Yeah. Right? Like if he's going to have the protection, mm-hmm. I think he's going to use it number three on this list was actually the cincinnati Bengals. again they were the super bowl team uh there they had five players finishing in our top 100 and those five players were a quarterback two receivers a tackle and an edge rusher so again if you were building your team this is how you want to do it it's the most valuable positions uh quarterback joe burrow receivers was uh, jamar chase nt higgins uh tackled jonah williams who performed really well You know he dealt with injury stuff in the past i think this was kind of like his breakout year but nobody talked about it and then edge rusher was sam hubbard so um you have to be excited about that team because again they only got better this offseason
2: i don't want to go too much into the future but they only got better just add another tackle on there and you'll be fine (laughs) on that list i mean yeah
0: yeah maybe that's the difference between winning and losing a super bowl maybe (laughs)
2: It's funny if we hadn't gotten nicked up. Remember the stick figure drawing? Yeah. Remember the stick figure drawing in like the beginning of the season? Everybody thought it was bullshit. Sorry. Are we cursing on this podcast? Now we just did. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's like, it's funny (laughs) because it's funny because what was it? He had, he had, uh, who was it? Who do you have speaking down the sideline? Wide openers, Jamar Chase, right? Jamar Chase. Um, but, but couldn't get there because Joe Burrow's getting hit. It's, almost exactly the stick figure drawing that people, you know, were, were hating on all off season. So pretty Mm. ironic.
0: Yeah, it really is. You know, I, I hear some of the PFF guys talking about like roster building and how their preference, what they think works better is to have the quarterback have the two receivers and have like an average offensive line. Like you don't need to have the top offensive line. You need to at least have average. I don't know if I agree with that. I think like I would feel better having Sewell and Jonah Williams blocking for my quarterback with T Higgins and maybe a lesser number two receiver. But obviously you can't you can't knock them because they did make it to the Super Bowl. Uh just just maybe not how I would have done it. Bobby, you want to talk about yeah, I like uh, I like
2: it ha- I like having two solid tackles and then like the middle can be mediocre. I'm fine with that. Exactly. But those high value tackles, I want them to be bookends. Mm-hmm. I kind of like
0: having a really good center too. Like I'm, I'm a little biased just because like I like, I like having the quarterback of the line be a top player, even if they're not like skill wise a top player. I need them to at least be like a leader and a communicator. Um, Bobby, we were talking about that for the Giants this year, right? Because like I wanted them to get uh, the guy from Tampa when he was a free agent, Jensen, um, but they didn't. They ended up getting a guy from Buffalo, which maybe makes more sense. Maybe he's not talent wise a top yeah. player,
2: but maybe field he channel. knows that
0: playbook and he's a field general. Right? Exactly. Probably yeah. talk
2: about us well, San Francisco. Good luck finding those top centers, Chris, because there's only like two of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> San Francisco on this list, um, Ariko Armstead, Debo Samuel, Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Bosa, and Trent Williams. Again, another team that did some work in the playoffs, um, uh, showing a quarterback, receiver, tackle, edge, DI on this list. So all very valuable positions um, maybe not quite, you know, the the list of positions you'd want to see here. Maybe that's why they didn't go so far, um, but still a pretty, pretty damn good list nonetheless.
1: Yeah, and I think just for context, I'm sure people are listening going, Jimmy Garoppolo, like what? Well, that's mostly because of the value of the quarterback position that bumps him into the top 100, and... You know, you could have the discussion about how much of that was actually Shanahan and the offense versus Jimmy G himself, and and so forth. But um, just just for some context, there, uh, I think it was like something like maybe thirty quarterbacks in the top one hundred list because of the value of that position. So when you're talking about the top teams on this list, it's almost like that one at quarterback is almost like a like a default. If you don't have a quarterback in the top one hundred, then you're really in trouble because uh, most of them make the top 100 list as a result of the position value. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Rem. Before I think anyone the- attacks us for having Jimmy G as the top 100 player.
0: <laughs> right. But I think, I think that's like you could point to the Saints, right? Like the Saints are that team. They have some of the pieces. They, they have had some of the pieces, but the last couple of years, they haven't been able to be super successful because at quarterback, they don't have that guy. And like you can knock Jimmy G all you want, Fact of the matter is he took a team to a Super Bowl and and now an NFC championship game. You know, no, he's not a top quarterback in the NFL, but he's at least middle of the pack and he's a good game manager. So uh, in all 22, that's that's still valuable. The quarterback's always going to be valuable. It's the most important position on the field. So having even an average one is valuable. Ray, talk about uh, Tampa Bay.
1: Yeah, so I, we, you know, Bobby touched on it earlier on in the show, right? Hey, this is exactly how you want to build build your roster. Um, when you expand to the top 100, you add Chris Godwin to the list. So now you add a receiver. So you have again Tom Brady at at quarterback, Shaq Barrett at edge, uh, Donovan Smith and Tristan Wirfs at tackle, and so that's that's your you know your five top 100 players all at the most at the four most valuable positions at quarterback, receiver. Um, offensive tackle and edge rusher, so exactly how you want it built. It's why they won the Super Bowl two years ago, and why they were a top contender this past year as well. So um, they, the the Bucks just just did it right. Are they going to be back? Yeah, yeah. There's like two other good teams in the NFC, so yeah, they'll they'll, they'll be back. <laughs> At least one last go around. Yeah.
0: All right, cool. So the last thing I wanted to just talk about when we talked about these lists, right? The top 100. So when we looked at the top 100, what positions made it onto that list? So there were 31 quarterbacks, which, like Ray said, if you don't have a quarterback on that list, something is very wrong. And uh, there was only one team that didn't have one make this list. And I think it was because that guy got injured and they didn't play enough games. Number two was wide receiver. There were 22 wide receivers tackle was third with 18 edge was fourth with 18 sorry tied for third with 18 and defensive interior had 11 so you know we're going to talk about positional scarcity we're going to we're working on the draft guide right now that we hope to get out to you soon but these are things you want to think about right like which positions are deep which positions have the most variance um and in the top 100 you can see that there are a lot of talented players scoring well at some of these key positions but guys, I think that's all we got. Is there anything else that you want to add for for today?
1: I think we beat this one to death. Can't wait till uh, to look forward next week using the same criteria for this upcoming season. It's going to be a lot of fun. No, no gambling yeah. though. No gambling. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like we could have talked about Baker today, but I I honestly had no no interest in talking about Baker. Every other podcast did. We're good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you everyone for tuning in. If you haven't done so yet, please visit all all dash 22.com.
2: Wait, Chris, we can talk about Zach Wilson, like banging milfs. If you want, we can go that that (laughs) direction before we leave. (laughs) That'd be pretty cool. I mean, just stay away from like, like, need some
0: edge at that. No, stay (laughs) away from our parents. You know what I mean? We have have a clean
1: reading on, on, on iTunes.
0: You can't (laughs) say milf. Like, I understand Zach Wilson's, like, an NFL player, but, like, our dads will still kick his ass. You know what I mean? Like, I, I have no doubt yeah. in
1: that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. That's so a thank you way for to tuning go. in. Mm-hmm. If you haven't done so yet, visit all-22.com to sign up. We are live, so you can sign up. You can join leagues. You can start your drafts. Like, all that stuff is happening right now. Don't miss out. Use promo code ALL22PFF, All caps. So all 22 PFF for 40% off your subscription. If you haven't done so yet, if you're listening to us and you don't follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, it's kind of a problem. Get on there, follow us on Twitter um, at all 22 underscore PFF, and then leave, an, uh, leave a review for our podcast, whether it's on YouTube or Apple or whichever platform you use. It's going to help more people hear us and that's what we're looking to do. So thanks again for listening and uh, we hope you enjoyed. Think that boosts Zach Wilson's PFF grade by the way.